0: you settle and establish that in our hearts, that you burn in our hearts a passion for your gospel, that we can confidently and affectionately say that we seek first the kingdom of God, that we live our lives with one goal and one purpose, and that's to bring you glory, that we live with a perspective of the end. That the attitudes of the then will affect the now. That what matters then will, will change the way that we view now. Man, Father, I pray that you burn that in our hearts. I pray that you burn that in our hearts to see, Father, and let other things and menial things just slip away. Man, I pray that we be, be a people with. Man, just a radical, joyful surrender to you. Kids can leave and go to Jesus Kids. Um, Rebecca's going to be back there to escort you. And that's so good. Huh? So good. I really feel that there is a... Uh, I really feel like there's something on that, an understanding of what we're here and why we're here. I believe that. And the Lord's been speaking to me and convicting me on it. It's just like we have to live our lives for one thing. As a, if, you, if you believe in Jesus and you've given your life to Jesus, then you're, you're on the earth for one reason, and that's to, to bring Him glory. and That's to, to manifest His name. Anything else will be dissatisfying to you. And that's what I think we have to understand as believers is that what Jesus was trying to say, in that if you lose your life, you'll find it. And if you seek to save your life, you will lose it, is He's saying, if you live your life for anything other than what I've called you to, to do and what I've called you to be, and just just manifesting my name in every area of your life and just get living with one purpose and one conviction, he goes, then you're going to lose your life and you'll never find it. I think a lot of times, a lot of our problems in our lives is we're, we're just living for, for, for lesser things. We're waking up and we're seeking lesser things and we're we're, we're making decisions for lesser things. And it's like, like I, I love the mentality of like, you know, you have a lot less problems when you're on the mission field. Like I remember I heard a pastor say that. He's like, me and my wife don't really ever struggle with things when we're on the mission field. He's like, but then once we kind of get into normal day life, he's like, a bunch of things start to become problems that wouldn't be problems if we were on a mission. And I think that like, Man, I think that we should really t- learn from that. And I think that we should, we should settle in our hearts. Like we need to seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things that we're seeking and looking for will all be added to us. Like Jesus says. And if we settle in our hearts that one reason, then a lot of, a lot of the problems and a lot of the, um, the things that we struggle with would kind of fall into place because we'd, be, we'd wake up for one reason and that's to seek Him or to, and to make Him known. Right? Jesus says, He's like, if we light a lamp... No one puts it under a bushel. So that means that what he's saying is your entire life, the reason that I lit you on fire was for other people to see. Right? That's why we don't just go to heaven when we, die, when we give our lives to Jesus. Because he wants you here for a reason. It's what Adam was created for in the garden, was to bring the garden and to have dominion over the earth and to expand the garden into the earth. Right? That's really good what Jared shared this with me this week. Now I'm preaching it, but like you have dominion over things that need to be brought into dominion. You have to, you have to, what, what's the other one? You have to subdue things that are out of order, right? You don't just subdue things when they're, everything's perfect. That means that Adam had a, had, a, had a goal to actually bring the kingdom of God into the earth in such a way that he had to subdue things, in the same way that we're called to subdue things, in the same way that we're called to go out and, and, and bring things into the reign of the King. But we have to live our lives with that purpose in our hearts. And it's something I've been, like, convicted in in my own life is, like, everything that I do needs to be for the glory of God. Like, I need to make decisions based on the glory of God. I need to make financial decisions based on the glory of God. I can't can't live for, I don't want to live for something that's going to burn in eternity. Right? A dry cup. Thanks, Ty. Hey, there's no water bottles. If you want to go downstairs, maybe there's a water bottle downstairs. There is. There isn't water bottle downstairs either. Can you just fill it up in a cup for me, Ty? With some ice, buddy. No, I'm good. I don't want to drink your water. (laughs) For those of you who are new, I drink Jared's water all the time. Um, But I really feel like that's something we need to settle in our hearts is um, we need to wake up and realize why we're alive. We need to wake up and realize why we're living, and then it's funny because like once you start to understand that you'll start to you'll realize that you're here to bring Jesus into this earth and you'll start to people will start to encounter Jesus in you and you'll you'll actually truly realize why you're alive because you'll finally feel alive for the first time right when it's like when you it's crazy because you can even be like completely tired and like you know like worn out and and just need sleep or whatever and when you give to somebody and you you show them Jesus and you and whatever it is whether it's a word whether it's encouragement you'll actually feel life come into you right like Jesus with the woman at the well he's sitting at the well and he says he's tired from his journey so this bible says so he sits at the well and he asks for water and then when they come back they're like you need food he's just like no I'm good he's just like I have food that you don't that you don't know of and I'm like, that's incredible. That means Jesus was sustained and, and energized and fueled because he did the Father's will. And when he did, it actually energized him from my long journey. <clears throat> it's really good. Go to Romans chapter 8. Um, that's free. There's, uh, I think this will be the last week of the whiteboard. But is the whiteboard helping people? helping a bunch of people? Good. Romans um, 7 and 8 is what we're going to be in. You found a water tie. Where'd you find it? You ran the speedway? Did you take an empty one and fill it up with a, oh no, okay. Make sure the seal wasn't broken. Courtney Brooks gave me a water bottle, you receive a hundredfold. So we've been talking about spirit, soul, and body. Um, I'm not going to preach what I preached for the last three weeks, but um, I really feel this is vital for us to understand. And what I want us to understand today, and this is what I'm going to kind of get into, is what it looks like to actually live out the truth of who you've been made in the spirit, and actually experience what it looks like in your body and your and your soul. Um, I think this is where the disconnect is. Is so many times we we know or we believe truth, but we're not experiencing it in our in our lives. So then we what we do is we default to actually living by flesh and living by the by the carnal nature, living by our senses, and we say, well, then that must not be true, right? So many times we live our lives like that, like you know. God has washed you clean of every sin that you've ever committed, but you feel dirty, so you're like, that must not be true, that he must not have forgiven me from everything. We're never called to live by our feelings. We're never called to live by our emotions. We're never called to live by our our thoughts. I need to write thoughts right here, too. Um, So, but what I want us to understand is, what are you laughing at? Did I spell it wrong? You just, you don't like how it's on an angle like that? Um, (laughs) What are you talking about? Those are all capitals. That's capital O, U. You want me to? Yeah, right. There you go, Gannon. (laughs) All right. It's good that that, that, that that is that big because thoughts is how the enemy gets to your emotions, your mind, and he eventually tries to get to your heart. That's the truth. He can only do it through thoughts. He brings emotions, but usually emotions follow your dominant train of thought. Your emotions usually follow your dominant train of thought. Um, sometimes it's, it can get messy with just like attacks, but majority of the time you can trace why you're feeling something to what you're thinking, right? And usually what you're thinking can be traced to what you believe about something. So if you can change what you believe, you'll change what you think, and then you'll eventually change how you feel, <clears throat> right? So many times we live by what we feel and we think that that's who we are, but it usually is just a strand of, of a root system of what you're believing, and if we can change the way that we think, we'll change. The, or if we change the way that we believe, it'll actually influence the way that we think, and then it'll actually change the way that we feel. Does that make sense? Because you can think and you can think and feel unworthy, but when a revelation of the truth hits your heart—that he, that He's He shed His blood for you and the value that God places on you—it'll actually start to change the way that you view yourself, think about yourself, and eventually feel about yourself. Right? To where you'll be confident and be like, "Wow." Right? Like I tell people all the time, I used to, we used to have like a big mirror in our old apartment. For those of you that were in Jesus church at the beginning, we had those, whatever mirrors. I just sit there and pray and look at myself and be like, I'm glad you did this, Jesus. People think that that's pride, but I know what I was like before. So I'm thankful for the man that he changed me into so I can look at. What are you doing with this? You brought a rubber ducky to church? Um, for those of you who like, we have a lot of people from Evan's Wedding and stuff that's here from Colorado and, and um If you have a question, just raise your hand We'll we'll answer it. Um, just interrupt me. You have a question? I don't know if you were going to share on this right now. I love the, the mirror example. Are there other examples that you have of how to change the way that you believe? Mm-hmm. 're going to talk about today That's what we're going to talk about so um <clears throat> what I want us to see is, and this is what what I want us to see is the way that you receive Jesus, okay, think about this um, go well, go to ephesians chapter two and then and then we'll go to Romans chapter eight. Um, ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two verse one it says and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, um, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves, in the lust of the flesh or the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others, okay? So really quick. So he's saying, you who once were dead, he has made alive, who once conducted ourselves according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Um, We conducted ourselves in the, the lust of our flesh and of our mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Does that make sense? Your nature was a children of wrath. Your nature was sin. Adam gave you a sin nature. That's why you, didn't, you woke up and you didn't even think about sin and it was just what you did. right? And you didn't even, it didn't even bat an eye. It wasn't even a question. You lived out your body, your soul, because you have your nature and your spirit was actually driving all of that stuff. And your, your, your mind and your will, especially your will, your choices that you were making, were driven by a nature that was, that was contrary to God. It was an enemy of God and it was actually cut off from life, right? Like we talked about three weeks ago, um, Adam sinned and he was cut off from the life source. So something in him died that where he was cut off from God who is life. So he was dead, but he had a sin nature. He still had a mind, will, and emotions, but now he was driven by something else. His nature was actually different. And when you're born again, your nature is actually made new. That's why it's not about just going to heaven one day. It's about a new life. If we ever preach the gospel about going to heaven, we're preaching the wrong gospel. Heaven is definitely where we're headed, but it is a nature change. We cannot preach the grace of God and the transformative power of God without actually transforming something on earth, right? God wouldn't light, light a lamp and put you with a bunch of other lamps in heaven one day. He's going to light a lamp so that you're a lamp in the, in the dark world. So <clears throat> keep reading, right? You were, on um, verse 3, among whom all also... We once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You want to explain why there's so much problems in the earth? It's because men are living like this right here. All the other pro- like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, is all the problems that you see in the world is because men live like this right here. Like, living for themselves, living for their flesh, living with their lust and the desires of their flesh and of their mind, and are by nature children of wrath. This is why you see all the problems that you see in the earth. Anything you can trace it all back to somebody's living for themselves, hurting other people or hurting themselves because they don't understand who they are. Make sense? Okay. But God, <clears throat> you should underline that. Anytime you see God's butt in there, it's amazing. But God, who is rich in mercy. It's so funny, Paul just throws that in there. Just to let you guys all know he's rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, you know, we should just read the Bible and just like just read it and just all right, we can all go home. right? So this is who you were, but God, who's rich in mercy, but God who's rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, not when you had any bit. And this is what we have to understand right here. When you were dead in trespasses and sin, like Romans chapter five says, the, man, the 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 love of God was manifested in to us in this that God sent His Son while we were still sinners, right? So while we were still lost, while we had no, you were dead in sin, dead in yourself, He made alive, right? While you were dead in sin and trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He made us. We didn't obtain that. Man, this is so good. That, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Enemies in our minds by wicked works, dead in our trespasses, and were by nature children of wrath, he made you alive. Okay? Okay? By grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, lest least anyone should boast. So think about this. The way that you came into the kingdom, and this is what I want us to see. The way that we come into the kingdom is the same way that we experience everything in the kingdom. And if we don't understand that, then you will be sadly mistaken and actually discouraged. And burned out, usually. The way that we come into the kingdom is dead in trespasses and sin with no ability to be right with God. And by grace, we all understand that is I had nothing to bring. Like if somebody came up here is like I want to give my life to Jesus, they don't have anything to tell me that's gonna make them worthy to receive it. Would you guys all agree with that? Okay? In the same way that we're that in a moment he made us alive in the spirit, is the same way that we walk out created accord, or created for good works, and it's God let's read it so I don't butcher the quote. Um, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive, verse 5, together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. And then this is the part, for we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Like God's creating you into a picture and it's a picture of Jesus. That's why we lift him high and that's why his name's on the TV and the sign. Right? He's our example, he's our standard, he's our bar. We're pursuing him, right? That's why it's not about whether or not I understand or anybody understands Jesus is the one that we're pursuing right? I was thinking about this. That's why, like, people get so hurt by, like, leaders that fail or fall, and, like, that just shows us that we are super good at idolatry. Um, it shows us that we, that we place a high value on people, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't honor people and, pers- and, like, love people and place a high value on them, but we shouldn't let them be the one that we're pursuing, Right? I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, if everybody that I've ever received anything from told me that Jesus wasn't, wasn't real and like forsook Jesus and deconstructed their faith or whatever people say that they do now, um, if they did that, I would be like, I would have a serious problem because I know Jesus. And I've been pursuing Jesus for the last however many years I've been saved. I, it doesn't matter if, if Jared and Tyler and all these guys say that he's not real. I know him now because I'm pursuing him. I'm not pursuing people. I'm not pursuing what they know. I'm not, they're, they're not the ceiling of my revelation, right? Like, he's my pursuit. That's why Paul says, him we preach, not ourselves, because we're, pu- we're, we're pushing people to his feet. And as a good leader, that's what you're called to do, is push people to his feet, not to yourself. So that's why it's like, you, you guys can all leave and all forsake him, and I'll be like, like Jesus says, he's like, well, then the Father's with me. All you guys are gonna leave, but the Father's with me. It's like, because he, he knows the Father. We're called to know him. That's why it's not about going to heaven. It's not about just knowing all these things. It's about knowing him. Because when, that, when all that stuff hits the fan, I can stand and be like, I know him. I have a serious problem. Regardless of what anyone else says, I have a serious, serious problem that I really know Jesus. So it's like when I lay my head on my pillow, I know I've experienced him, right? Like you guys weren't there when he showed up in my bedroom and talked to me. Like it's not, not in the physical. I'm not, I haven't seen that yet. But like I have serious, I have a serious problem. But I want us to understand that that we were created according to God, we're his workmanship, we're the ones that are being molded into the image of Christ, right? That's why we've been, we're going to read it, Romans 8, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Because of what he's accomplished in our hearts and in our spirit. And if we understand that and give ourselves to it, we'll actually be shaped and molded and we'll look like Jesus. So now when somebody looks at my life or looks at someone's life and they say, man, you look like Jesus. All I did was give myself to what I was already created into. But it's my choice, to, it's my will, it's my, cho- it's my thought process to give myself to that reality. And let grace have its perfect work in me. Right? So think about this. So when you come to Jesus, you didn't bring anything. You were by nature children of wrath. But your sins are forgiven if you would receive it. That's already true about you in the spirit. Like God has paid for your sin in the person of Jesus, what, but you haven't received it yet. But you're, So you're still cut off and you're, that sin is still because you haven't accepted the sacrifice on your behalf, the sin is still on your head, right? So think about this. It is for, this is what's crazy to me, is that where people are going to die and stand before the Lord with the payment for their sin, but they didn't receive it. That's a sad day, right? So it's accomplished in the Spirit, but you have a choice, and this is what I felt like the Lord said, is the will of man is very important to him. Like, the Lord doesn't override your will. He never will. It's very, he, God, God cherishes free will. That's why he put the garden in, that's why he put the two trees in the garden. Everyone's always like, if God knew that people were gonna eat the tree, then why would he put them in the garden? Blah, blah, blah. Right? People say that. Have you guys ever even thought that? Maybe you didn't blah, blah, blah at the end, but... God knew that he was going to, because he ha, cause there has to be a choice, or man doesn't, man's a robot. They don't have a choice, right? They, they, have to, they have to do, if there's no choice, there's no love. There's no, God's incredible, because he makes, he, he puts two trees in the garden knowing that man's going to fail, but already crucified his son before the foundation of the world for the answer for what man's about to do, because he knows that in the long run, man is still going to be able to choose him in the long run, right? So every day I get to wake up and still choose him. God's incredible, right? That shows you that like, an, like any problem that we ever get into, the answer's already been like God, like I said, God's not impressed by what the enemy's doing, right? So before there was ever a foundation of a world, the, the, the lamb was slain before the foundation. So that means that Jesus was already like, they all, the, the three of them, you know, the guys, they all got together and they were like, this is what's going to happen, I don't know if they talked about it, but they got together and they're like, this is what's gonna happen. Jesus is like, Yeah, I'll go. Right? Done deal. And they made the decision and they they already know that they're gonna do it. When the answer when the problem arises, there's already an answer. So we need to understand in our life that's the same way. Right? When we when there's a problem that arises in our lives, God already has a plan and an answer for it. Right? It's not like God's scrambling to try to figure out what to do now because you got an extra bill that you didn't know about. Right? Crazy. So um Where was that? brought nothing into this kingdom, okay? But, oh, the will of man. So God very highly, highly values man's will, because now man can choose to love him and seek him, pursue him. And we have to understand that. So what God is trying to do is minister truth to get people to repent and believe so that they can be changed, right? The repentance happens in your heart and in your, or in your mind. Yeah, the repentance happens in your mind. I'm not going to get into all that stuff that went through my head for a second. Um, so in a moment, someone's, someone repents You come up to the altar, you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus. In a moment, something happens, you become alive in the Spirit. Now, something true about you happens in the Spirit that wasn't true about you prior. But all you did was repent and give your will, your heart, your emotions, your whatever, your body, everything, you gave it to the Lord in this place. And something happened in the Spirit, and the Spirit of God changed you on the inside. Would you all agree with that? Okay? what did you do? Nothing. All you did was receive, accept, gave your will over to it, right? All you said is like, I want it. That's mine, right? Colossians says that as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. It's the same way in any other area of our lives. And this is what I think that we have to understand is, I think one of the biggest problems, especially in or one of the biggest problems in Christianity is Christians think that they're good or they think that they're strong uh, or they think that the Christian life, and I think a lot of times is we've painted the picture of the Christian life very, very shabby. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good word. We painted the picture of the Christian walk as easy or obtainable and it's incredibly impossible, especially in in the, like, in the Church of America, We've preached it like that for, for years, and that's what I mean by him we preach, not ourselves. Because you might look at me and be like, well, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a little bit better than you, but you're not better than Jesus, right? He's the bar. So many times it's, our temptation is to lower the bar because nobody reaches the bar, but that's, our, that's what we're called to reach. Does that make sense? Like, I, I was thinking about it. A lot of times I, w- I've, I was talking to the Lord. I'm like, man, Lord, like, a lot of times what people teach, um, I can do in my own strength. Which isn't the gospel. If if you can do any, if you can do it in your own strength, it's never it's never the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like if what if what somebody is saying is like, like I was talking to this guy one time, I was like, you understand that you could, you could forgive your wife every single time that she ever wrongs you your entire life, and still not, still not actually let forgiveness change your heart. So you could do the action of forgiveness every single time, but there's only by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit would you be able to look at your wife apart from the mistake that she made. Does that make sense? So that's why Paul says, he's like, according to the righteousness that's in the law, perfect. Because he said, I can do everything as a Pharisee, but there's nothing that can change the inside of my heart, my desires, my will. Does that make sense? This is freedom if you can get this. So many times people we paint a picture of Christianity, and it's like, hey, just try to be really nice to people. You know what I mean? Or try not to, you know, like, we're, whatever, like, we settle for, what is, how does it go? We settle for, like, like, I don't know, church attendance and good, like, virgin kids when they get married. Like, that's what we think Christianity is. And it's just like, that's not the case at all. Because Jesus, that's why Jesus says, if you read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, which everybody loves, and he says, you say it like this, but I say this. You say but I say. You say but I say. You think, but I think. And most of the time, he's saying you say is actually scripture from the Old Testament. He's saying you say, which he's the one that said it. But he's like, you say, because there's, in the, pers- in the law of, of God, there was no, in the Old Testament law, there was no power to transform that person into that reality. They could try to do it in their own strength, but they couldn't do it in their own strength. So Jesus is saying, hey, you've heard, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Jesus is saying, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Jesus literally lowered, like, if, if anyone left that place going, yeah, I could probably do that, they were sadly deceived and didn't listen to what they, what they said. Like, that's why I always say, Jesus, we don't need Jesus just to raise the dead and heal the sick. We need him to love our kids and love our wives and our husbands, like so many times we're just like, you know, wheelchair, yeah, there's n- no way that I could do this. Absolutely no way. Like has to be the power of God. So what I do in that situation, person in a wheelchair, I'm going to pray for him. What do I do? I lay hands on him. That's all I do. What does that look like? That's not changing anything in the spirit. That's only my will lining up my body to believe what's done in the spirit. Does this make sense? So then something in the spirit and the power of God transfers through my body into this person and changes them, and it was nothing that I did. All I did was believe it. This is, this is really clicking. This is good. Right? So now in the same way that I want to, you know, I, I want to... <clears throat> What do you guys want to be free from? Right. That's what I mean. Is there's like you you want to you know you're struggling with unforgiveness, anger, unforgiveness, okay? <clears throat> we think that we can forgive in our own strength. Right, so the person in the wheelchair comes up. The, the problem's the problem's unforgiveness. It's not a wheelchair anymore. So I say, okay, well, I forgive this person, and then I go about my day, and it's I'm just I'm trying to forgive this person, right? So Jared rolls up in a wheelchair. What we <laughs> so many times we're just like, okay, um, let's blow this shofar and wave this flag, and maybe we should sing this song, and let's go back into. We're doing all these things to try to get a result. That's what, we do in the, that's what we do in our spirituality all the time, or our spiritual walk, right? So I'm trying to forgive. I'm just, well, I'm fasting so that I can forgive. Well, I'm just going to, all I need to do is pray more. All I need to do is just read a little bit more. And if I go to church and maybe sing this song, and then it's all these things that we're doing in the flesh and in the works, in our, in our, in our body and in our soul, we're trying to work up something that can only be accomplished by the Spirit of God, that can only be accomplished in the truth of who we are. Our choice and our our reality is all we do is give ourselves to Him, and by grace, we're saved through faith. Our job is faith, right? So simply, it looks like me just going, all right, Father, I don't forgive this person. I haven't forgiven this person, and obviously, there's something still going on in my heart because I'm trying my best to forgive somebody, and that means I'm in unforgiveness, right? So all I do is simply put, I just give myself to the Lord in faith, believing that I'm going to see something and something's gonna happen on the inside of my heart that's gonna bring forth fruit in my life. It's gonna change the way that I view them. It's gonna change the way that I feel about them. It's gonna change the way that I think about them. Then it's eventually gonna change the way that I respond and act to them. So something in my faith, in my pursuit of Christ, I'm just gonna give myself to the Lord. This is so amazing because it, it, it flings the door wide open to anybody that wants it, right? All it takes is what? Faith. All it takes is somebody to seek. All it takes is somebody to ask. All it takes is somebody to knock and then the door will be open to them, right? Because we're just like, well, how come I'm not this and this and this? And we're just like, it must not be true. And I'm like, I'm going to argue that you're not seeking or you're not actually walking in faith. And here's what's crazy is we can try, 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 never experience any fruit. And we just go, man, Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. And Lord's like, that's what I was waiting for. And it's like, boom, the breakthrough comes. And so many times we're just like, oh, that's because I did all these other things. I'm like, no, that's because you actually gave up for one time and the Lord actually did it, right? That's what Jesus means is like, your righteousness is filthy rags to him. Like, you're not even, like, we're always just like, yeah, our righteousness is filthy rags. And I think sometimes we think that that means our old life. And that's not what he's talking about. Your righteousness, your good stuff that you do is filthy rags to him. Like, your ability and your own strength to do good things is still filthy rags to him. Man, if we could understand this, like, this is why the blood of Christ and the blood of the gospel cleanses your conscience from dead works, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, months ago, is like the blood of Jesus sets us free to live out the gospel, and it takes away all the dead works, right? So that means that when somebody comes in a wheelchair, I'm not basing the faith that I have for this, for this transformation in this person's body based on how well I've been doing, which is what we do all the time. And actually, what's crazy is sometimes we actually build up a momentum in the faith and we see things happen because our faith is secure in something that's a little bit shaky. But because we've done all these things, that's why when you fast for four days, you feel like you're on it. You feel like in your conscience, but it's actually not a, a, a real, it's not a, a really like grounded confidence. It's something that you, that's why, man, I'm getting myself in a hole. It's important, it's important. That's why it's important for us to live holy because your conscience will actually start to condemn you in every area of your life then because you're not living up to where you're called to live. And that's why if we're not living up to where we're called to live, we need to understand how to be free and how to walk, walk out freedom and come to the Lord to receive his forgiveness, his mercy and his grace to help in time of need. Does that make sense? Because if not, you'll, the Lord won't be condemning you, but you'll be condemning you. And you won't have confidence before the Lord. But God is greater than your heart and He knows all things. Does that make sense? That's super good. That's free. Um, any questions on that before I go any further? So, you just scratched your nose, Mike? Or was your nose really itchy right there in that moment? Okay. So, we have to understand that the way we came into the kingdom was by grace through faith, it's not of yourself, at least anyone should boast, okay? So now when you encounter a situation, like I said, unforgiveness comes rolling up to you in a wheelchair, you need to understand that there's no possible way for you in your own strength and in your own self to see that freedom happen, to see that transformation in your heart to where you can view that person. You might say all that people will say all day long, I've forgiven that person, I've forgiven that person, but it usually comes up in their language that they haven't, right? So what that does is there is a forgive me for my ring issue. Um, That's a demon. Um, A lot of times what we do is, especially in the unforgiveness issue, um, I believe the Lord's setting people free in that area, but we say that we've forgiven them, but like everything about your life is shaped by what happened. Does that make sense? So something's molding you, something, you're a workmanship of something that's not Christ. Because we're we're not allowing forgiveness to change our hearts and change our lives. That's why forgiveness is actually for you. It's not really for the other person. And, I mean, it, it can translate to that, and that person can see it if they truly, it, it's so amazing. That's why, like, you could live a life of complete ungodliness, and you could be guilty before men and stand with a pure conscience before the Lord, knowing that he's forgiven you, and you don't need anyone else to tell you that you're forgiven. Right, you could be on death row and be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna die," but that's I know that I'm, I know that I'm forgiven in the Lord's sight because forgiveness is for you, right? I don't need, I don't need when you truly are when you truly know that you know and you give yourself to that. I don't need Jared to tell me, I don't need Jared to forgive me. He, like I'm like I completely understand why he doesn't trust me, right? But I know that I'm free, I know that I'm changed. The gospel is a personal gospel; it manifests in the in the physical, but it's a personal gospel. But I want us to see this. Go to, go to uh, Romans chapter 7. Um, the best two pages in this Bible right here. Fire. Can't change it. If you want to just, you don't even have to flip to any other ones, just keep them open right here. Greatest, greatest, greatest. any questions so we understand we should understand what Romans chapter 6 talks about it talks about what happened to you when you gave your life to Jesus you gave yourself to baptism you were dead you died to sin so that you could be alive for righteousness you died to sin so that you could be created brand new um, it is, Romans chapter 6 is the gospel that we should preach in the, in, the, in the world, is that you're dead to sin and you're alive to God now, um, that's why we water baptize people, is because it's not just an I, it's not just I'm raising my hand so that I make a declaration of my faith, it's like no, I, I'm identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection, I'm giving myself to that reality, I'm going to give myself to that truth, and I'm going to become something different in my heart, right? I was by nature a children of wrath. And then in water baptism, the Lord washes that all away. And he says, you're a new nature. You have a brand new heart, right? So many times we preach. I always get sucked into this water baptism thing. We always, we always preach water baptism as like, hey, so invite all your family and your friends. It's a public declaration of your faith. And I'm not saying that it obviously it's a public declaration of what you believe, but we should understand that when we get in that water, we're dying to everything that we've ever been so that we can live. And now what we're trying to do in our entire lives is realize in our hearts and transform our minds to what's happened to us in the spirit. When you go into that water, it's it's just water. There's nothing special about it. We don't bless it. There's not holy water, right? There's nothing about it. There's nothing about it. My Catholic boys are laughing up front. Right? But when you come out of that water, something happens in the spirit that you don't see, you can't taste it, you don't feel it, but something's about you is different, right? Like AJ would always say, just get in the water, bro. He's like, why are we talking about it? (laughs) He's like, we just gotta get in the water. Right, so that's what Romans chapter six is talking about. And then Paul goes into Romans chapter seven, which is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Um, Not for the reason that you probably think it is. But people think, people really identify with Romans chapter six, and I believe it's because we live our lives trying to make ourselves clean in the flesh, and that's why we identify with Romans chapter 7. I meant Romans chapter 7. I said 6. but Romans chapter 7, we, people identify with it. I used to have it highlighted in my Bible when I didn't understand. Because it made me feel like Paul was, was like me. And Paul's showing, he, showing, he's, he's saying that this is the way Paul was like me before he understood. Paul was exactly like us before he understood. And we need to understand so that we can be free like Paul. We need to live out what Paul, Paul wouldn't, Paul would not preach in Romans chapter 6 being dead to sin three times if he says that you're always going to struggle with it. There's three times in Romans chapter 6 that he says, been set free from sin, or do you not know, or do you not know, or do you not know? Because he wants to set us free so that we can live a life of workmanship created according to God in good works, right? the best statement I've ever heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ came from Nate McKeel. Best best statement I've ever heard anyone ever preach. He says, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I'm never going to sin again. I just don't plan on it. I'm like, that is the that is a mic drop. We can all go home. Best statement I've ever heard because <laughs> that is fire, Nate McKeel. And it's, it seriously is because he's saying something happened and changed my desires in my heart because of what I believed in my, in my life. I gave myself to something. The Lord changed my desires. He goes, I don't, I'm not saying I'm never going to fail. I'm not saying I'm never going to make a mistake. I just don't plan on it because that's not his heart. That's not his desire. That's not his path. That's not what he's seeking, right? Because there's something in the heart, the desires, the spirit of man, the nature of man is changed on the inside. We just have to understand how to live that thing out, right? And that's what I'm talking about is Romans chapter 7, Paul is talking about trying to do all these things in his own strength, right? So look at um, verse 15, it says, for what I am doing, I do not understand for what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is where? In my flesh, nothing good dwells. For, it, for to will is present. Man, this is so good, dude. You understand? Paul's saying to will is present. He's talking about a man that's not that's not filled with the Spirit of God, that doesn't understand how to actually be changed. You can, you understand the whole, you understand you can preach the gospel. You understand you can preach the Bible and tell people, and they can, they can understand that they're, they're supposed to do that, but never have the power to actually do it. That's why being filled with the Spirit and giving yourself to the Spirit of God is so important. If, you, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're missing out. Because, God changes our hearts and desires, but he, he gives us power to now live that thing out. The grace of God, if we don't understand that the grace of God is the one that changes us, I can try all day long, all day long, knowing that it's good that this person should get out of a wheelchair, knowing that it's good that I should forgive this person. Two, two examples, knowing I can do everything in my power to try to make it happen, but if I don't understand it's by grace and it's by the spirit of God on the inside of me, my desire all day long can be good, but I won't see the fruit of it. Does that make sense? That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, if I don't understand that, if I don't understand he goes, my will can be good, and it's actually good that I'm doing it, but there's no actual power to do it. So keep reading. Um, for the good that I, verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, um, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law a law. He's talking a law. Okay, I'll get to it. I find then a law that is that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. If you really want to understand verse 23, this will help you in your walk with Jesus. Underline members, and then go back and read Romans chapter six, and where he talks about members, verse thirteen, he talks about it. Um, I think it's up in that area, verse six, four, like thirteen area. He's saying, "No longer present your members as slaves of or as slaves to sin, but as slaves of righteousness, because there's a war that's going on." In Paul's members when he didn't understand because he wasn't presenting himself as a slave of righteousness and he wasn't giving himself to the Lord to actually let the Lord transform him. He was trying to do it in his own strength. He's talking about him trying to do it. He's talking about him trying to be righteous in his own strength according to the law. All right, keep reading. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Pause. Paul wouldn't write all of Romans chapter 7 if this was going to be who he was, that he wouldn't write this scripture right here. Right? He wouldn't say, who's going to deliver me? And they're just like, well, nobody, because you're, you're, you're trapped. right? And then he wouldn't say, thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then he wouldn't say, I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who's going to deliver him. So he says, I, with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then we're going to get to the good part right here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why would he talk about a whole chapter and then just go, there isn't therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Because there's a difference between being in Christ Jesus, being outside of Christ Jesus. There's a difference between you trying to earn it in your own strength and trying to be saved and trying to save yourself and trying to pull people out of wheelchairs in your own strength and there's a difference between being in Christ. We have to understand that. It says, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death, which is what he just talked about. Is the law of sin and death. There was something in your nature before you were born again that was driving you to live a certain way. And it's a law of the sin and death. And there's something in the spirit that actually put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's why we water baptize people. That's why the gospel isn't just a declaration of your faith. It's an identification with the death and burial because you have to die if you want to live. Because you have to die to what was driving you. Everything, that was, everything that's ever been about you, you need to die to all of it. Right? I remember I was talking to this guy and he was giving me a rap sheet of all what, whatever he's done. And I just kind of was like, you just got to die, bro. We just need to, like, he's just like, I mean, he didn't even know anything either. It was so funny. He's like, what are you talking about? I mean, you got to die to all that stuff. I was like, you'll never be free if you keep bringing up all that stuff. I was like, that's why Jesus just takes it all and just kills it all, crucifies it all. Just like, I'll wash it all away and let's just start new right now, right? He doesn't take all your broken pieces and put them back together as a cup. He just takes the whole cup away, makes the whole tree new, right? Praise God. He's not trying to figure out how to, you know, take what's broken and put it all back together. He's just like, let's just wash it all clean let's just make it new, right? That's why we sing washed and we should sing washed for the rest of our lives every day because he washes you completely clean, Right? He's not the one that covers sin. He's the one that takes away sin. Okay, so keep reading. For what the law could not do. Romans chapter 7. For what the law could not do. I'm in Romans chapter 8, but, verse 3, but he's talking about Romans chapter 7. What the law could not do and that it was what? Weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that, so that the r- righteous requirement of the law, what was required of us, might be fulfilled in me, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, my- the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So think about this. So now, because of what's happened to you in the Spirit, you can still choose with your will to live according to the flesh and live according to the way that you've always lived. And actually setting your mind on the things of the flesh will actually produce death in your life. But setting your mind on the things of the Spirit will actually be life and peace to you. So think about this. In the example of somebody that I'm I'm trying to forgive this person of what they did, if I don't understand that me setting my mind on the things of the flesh, me trying to do it in my own strength, instead of just setting my mind and giving myself and my will and my emotions, all I'm doing is laying my hands on this person's leg. Does that make sense? All I'm doing is saying, man, Lord, I'm not forgiving this person, but I need to see them the way that you do. So help me see them the way that you do. That's all that, that's all it is. When I'm saying that, Father, I don't understand, I don't, I haven't forgiven Simon, and obviously it's still shaping me and molding me and affecting me, and I need to see them clearly, so I'm giving myself to forgiveness, and I'm giving myself to you. All you're doing is you're doing this right here. You're putting your hand on, their, on his knee, right? If he's paralyzed and I need to pray for him, all I'm doing is putting my hand on his knee, and in faith I'm speaking, and in faith I'm believing that something's going to happen. It's the same way of Father, I haven't forgiven this person. All I'm doing is putting my hands on their legs and, and by my will, I'm, I'm doing something in the, in the physical that's affecting the spiritual. And I'm opening the door up to belief and letting the, the grace work in me through faith. Does that make sense? Any questions? I feel like there are some questions. So, you have a question? Uh-huh. No, it's going to be for the oh, it's recording uh maybe you could define grace I, i'm a little slow mm-hmm. but earlier we we're talking about grace mm-hmm. and maybe some people need to mm-hmm. uh, have a definition of grace i know i did mm-hmm. and from john 1 1 he came full of grace and truth mm-hmm. and then the the next sentence or two is another one about grace and truth mm-hmm. and uh, i think that's important just not to gloss over it yeah absolutely So grace, in my definition of grace, grace is God's ability to make you look like Jesus. Grace is the power of God on your behalf. So many times we want, we're like, hey, I need grace for that. I made a mistake. I need grace. Grace doesn't give you, grace isn't the one that actually gives you forgiveness. Mercy does. That's why Paul says you're full of mercy. Because mercy forgives your sin. Grace empowers you not to sin. So many times we think that we're always just asked like, we're like, oh, I'm a grace preacher. I'm 100% a grace preacher. I'm 100% that there is power on your behalf to make you look like Jesus. And that's why I don't lower the bar, right? Because I believe that there is grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. The, the throne of God is the throne of grace. It's his power on our behalf. It's like, the best way to explain it is it's the chisel that makes you look like Jesus, right? When, when you give yourself to the Lord, grace empowers you to look like Jesus, Grace empowers you to live it out, right? So grace on your behalf, super good question, because grace on your behalf will actually make you look like Jesus, actually start to transform the way that you live, act. It'll actually empower you and do what you couldn't do in your own strength. It molds you, it shapes you. In the same way that when you, you you kneel and you're like, Lord, I wanna give my life to you, grace changes your life in a moment. Mercy forgave you. Like his mercy was already poured out on you. That's why it says God, who is rich in mercy. Like already done deal. He's already rich in mercy because he already sent his son, right? God's not looking at your, he's not weighing the sin that you asking for forgiveness for and saying, uh, yeah, we'll probably forgive him. He's already done deal, already made the decision. Mercy's already for you, right? Mercy is already like, his mercy endures forever. That's why David wrote it so many times. His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever because there's mercy towards people, and it's available for people, but they have to step into that mercy and receive that mercy so that they can experience the grace to transform them, right? So Jared comes up and gives his life to Jesus. Mercy is already available, available for Jared, right? I don't have to ask the Lord, hey, are you going to forgive Jared? No, it's a done deal, right? If Jared wants it, it's his. It's already paid for, but then something, when Jared says yes, the Spirit of God does something in Jared where grace starts to transform his heart, and he leaves with different desires, but he has to continually give himself to that grace so that it'll transform him, right? Like, I'm a dude that just believes 100% that grace is available for me, right? That's why I preach really well, because I believe that God can do something in me that I can't do in my own strength. I wish I could tell you how bad of a preacher I am in my own self, and I wish I could, I wish I could tell you how much I actually trust in grace that it, when it comes out of my mouth, it makes sense, right? There's guys that I'm like, man, grace is amazing, that you are like Jared. It's amazing that you can do what you do. It's grace. It's empowerment, right? Tyler, perfect example. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, but it's true though. But but that's what I'm saying is we, and I'm, I'm getting long on my time, but grace, we have to believe that grace is what can change us and transform us and we have to believe in the grace of God. If we don't believe in the grace of God, we'll live lives not measuring up because we don't know how to receive the power to live it out. We'll re, and then we'll be condemned our, our entire Christian walk and never actually have relationship or intimacy with Jesus because we'll be condemned because we don't know how to get the answers in power. We don't know how to receive the power to walk out what our conviction is in our heart. Yeah. Um, will you speak into James 4, how it says that he gives grace to the humble? But he resists the proud in regards to what you're talking about? 100%. That's why what you're doing in trying to forgive in your own strength is pride. Does that make sense? When we try to do something in our own strength, it's pride. And that's why the Lord resists the proud. You're not actually being resisted. The Lord is not actively resisting you. You're just positioning yourself outside of his grace and his ability. So you're by, you're actually choosing to position himself outside of what he's, like when I'm trying to heal Jared in my own strength, trying to do something in my own strength, the Lord's not against me. He's just, there's no grace for me. So I'm, he's resisting me because I've positioned myself outside of him, right? So what I need to do is humble myself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift me up, right? And then he'll give grace to me. Does that make sense? So many times people are like, God's this and that. I'm like, no, you're just, in the same way of like, if we're trying to, like when we come outside of God's design, there's, we frustrate the grace of God, right? Like we're trying to do marriage outside of the way that God wants us to do it, it's frustrated, right? When a, I think about this a lot. A husband's called to be the head of the house and the head of a home and lead their, their family well, when that role gets reversed because of whether it's insecurity, whether it's, you know, problems in the, the wife to where the wife tries to lead, it actually frustrates the grace of God in a marriage. And people, and people that, like, if you guys have, anyone that's like, come out of that can attest to it, that like, once, especially when the husband makes the decision to where they're going to lead well and give themselves the truth, this is not popular in the feminist movement. Um, which, is, which is demonic. <laughs> um, they, because God designed designed, it's demonic. God designed people, God designed man to lead their house well. And he lead, and because there's grace on a home when a man steps into his calling and he brings out the best in his wife. Like me and Taya were mutually submitted to one another. I don't, I don't domineering lead her, but she submits to me. She's one of the strongest women I've ever met, one of the strongest leaders. But she, she's like, I'm so thankful I married you because I, she was in multiple relationships where the man didn't lead. She's like, and I was so frustrated multiple times because like I wasn't created to live that way. Women were created to be led by man. Same way that a pastor and elders are called to lead a church. And when it's the other way around, we get a lot of problems in church because there's no grace on the building. And when you actually set up godly leadership, it actually starts to, grace settles it, and people can actually flourish in that, that children, people, whatever, can flourish in that environment. Does that make sense? Because you're frustrating the grace of God because grace is empowering something, but you're not... It's the same way of us trying to be changed outside of the the way that God wants to change us, which is let, uh, let him do what he does in our lives, right? So now when I come to this situation, when I'm trying to forgive, all I do is just give myself to the Lord. There's nothing else I'm doing. I'm just like, "Man, Lord, I believe there's something in the spirit and I believe that the truth is that I'm called to walk in forgiveness and the truth about my life is I'm already forgiven." And Colossians says that I forgive because I'm forgiven. So, Lord, help me to see myself the way that you see me. Help me to see myself forgiven. Let me see myself that I'm never I'm never going to stand before you and you're ever going to bring up my sin. So, help me to do the same thing for this person or these people. Help me to see them the way that you see them. So, now it doesn't matter it's not one, two, three. It doesn't matter what the days are. It doesn't matter what the time is. I believe something, so my will is choosing to believe, and I'm going to give myself to it. And then in the spirit, something happens to where I actually start to see this person differently, and you'll actually feel like you're, your emotions will actually start to change. I've actually, I mean, I'm so confident in it, I can't even tell you because I've lived this thing out to where the enemy will come with the same thought process, the same things that used to drive me insane about this person and I'll actually, it'll feel like he's trying to cut me with a dull knife because I've submitted to the grace of God, right? So he actually, like, is coming with the same thought, the same thing that would make me mad, the same thing that would bring up all those feelings of hurt and whatever, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, and it would come, and I'd be like, beforehand, I'd just be so frustrated or whatever, and I'd actually have to, like, work my way out of it, you know? I remember telling the Lord, I'm like, I, like, I don't want to forgive this dude. Forget him. You know what I mean? Like, I remember being like, I'm just because I'm honest and humble, I'm I'm not going to be a liar to the Lord, he knows, like I'm naked before him, you know what I mean, it's like, no, I'm I'm wearing clothes, you know what I mean, like, so I'm just, but I'm like, I'm honest, I'm like, Lord, I don't forgive this person, I need to see them clearly, so like, I, I, and because of that, I obviously don't see myself clearly, because if I truly saw that I was forgiven, I'd gladly forgive, because I'm way worse than anybody else, right, that's why Paul says, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, Christ Jesus came to die for sinners of whom I'm the worst, Paul understood something, That's why he lived the way that he did. But I started to give myself to this reality and grace actually started to make it true. Grace actually started to change the way that I viewed myself, the way that I viewed this person, the way that I viewed the situation. And I actually started to think differently and see him differently. And then the same thoughts, the same attacks, whatever the enemy would come, I would just be working and the thoughts would just come. Boom, 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 boom. But it was like they were cutting me with a dull knife because I settled in my heart when there was nobody else around. Grace changed my life. So now once I walk this thing out and I actually can look at the person and see them apart from sin, actually love them, pray for them, care for them, and actually see them apart from sin, now God gets all the glory because he's the one that did it, not me, right? When I stand before the Lord, it's not like, man, Dylan, I can't believe you're an amazing Christian. It's like, no, I had zero thing to give. The same way that I came into the kingdom is the same way that I live it out. I got nothing to give. So now it, it elevates the gospel of Jesus Christ and it elevates who he is in my life. But it also elevates everybody else to come walk in the same way. Because it's not just like Dylan's some super Christian. It's like, no, all he did was believe it. All he did was just give himself to it. So that flings the door wide open to God's not a respecter of persons. That's why, that's why those scriptures are in there. Because all he's saying is that if you're not living it out, that's because you're choosing not to. Right? So no one's going to be at fault but us. Right? It's going to be when, we, when it's all said and done, he's going he's to say, believe, didn't believe. And the fruit that you see in your life is because you believed. And the fruit that you didn't see in your life is because you tried to do it in your own strength. This is freedom. Like, just be honest with me. Any problem that you have in your life, and I'll finish with this, any problem that you have in your life, anything that you want to see changed, anything that, you, that you're not, see, whatever, whatever. In your own personal walk with Jesus, in your own, whatever you see that doesn't look like Jesus, if you gave yourself to a confident expectation that the grace of God was for you to transform you. And all you and you just said, Alright, Lord, I wanna see this situation clear. I wanna be transformed. I wanna see scriptures that line up with this truth. I want you to start to change the way that I view it, change the way that I see it, change the way that I respond, change the way that I feel. I wanna, I wanna see this situation the way you would if you were in this situation, and you gave yourself to that with no time limit. How long do you think it would be till you were free? Because what we do is like, well, I tried that. I'm like, you prayed like for two seconds and You felt like God didn't do it. You didn't give yourself to it, right? This this is the last one. Philippians chapter one, and this is what I'll finish. I'm sorry. Sorry for reading so much scripture while I preach the word. Oh my gosh. This whole passage, I can't read it all. I really don't have time. This whole passage is all about humility and the mindset that Jesus had of coming as a humble servant. Okay? This whole thing is about, submit. he gave himself to Jesus, or he gave himself to the Father, and he humbled himself to the death of the point of the cross. It's incredible. We don't have enough time to read it. Paul says, verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. All this stuff, being in the form of God, denied it all, came as a servant, humbled himself, so the Lord exalted him in due time. Okay? Verse 12 is what I wanted to read. It says, therefore, because of all that, what Jesus just did, this mind was in Jesus. Therefore, my beloved, as you have also obeyed, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, because it is God who works, where? In you, both to will and do his good pleasure. So it's God who works in you, the Spirit of God who works in you, both to will and to do it for his good pleasure. So you work out your your salvation with fear and trembling. And you look up trembling, it means having no confidence in your own ability. Fear, reverence for who he is and no confidence that I can do it in my own strength. You're working out your own salvation, what he's given you, with fear and trembling. You're giving yourself to the Lord and believing that he wants to do it in your life. Even if you don't will to, right? I don't want to forgive this dude. But I believe that you, I believe because I, I reverence you as God and I believe that you, that you love me and you know what's best. I'm going to give myself to it. You might not believe that that's the best thing for you, but I believe Him way more than I believe myself. So I, don't, I might not even want to do it, but I just give myself, like, Father, I want to want to. Right? And grace actually starts to make it want to. Right? I don't want to spend time with this person, but I know you're calling me to it, so I want to want to. So help, me, help my want to, Lord. And He actually starts to will and to do it. And it's incredible. Because then in the long run, I'm like, man, I'm so thankful that I have this relationship with this person, and they might have grinded my gears before, but I just wanted to do it. And I believe that that was what God, that was like your testimony you shared the other day about spending time with Tyler. Remember? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But God actually starts to change the way that you view people. It starts to change the way that you see people and it actually starts to transform the inside and then when it's all said and done, you'll be like Paul and you'll say, I am what I am by the grace of God, right? All right, so you guys stand with me. That was super good. That's freedom right there. If we can understand that, if we can grasp it, this is what I want us to do is I want us to and this is what I believe the Lord is flinging the door wide open for us, I, we have to believe that it's possible for us to live like Jesus. Right? Don't let anybody cheat you. You believe it's possible for you to live like Jesus. Like Paul says in Colossians, don't let anyone cheat you through all this bullcrap that they talk about. It's pretty much what he says. Don't let anyone cheat you of your reward, what's already yours in Christ. Believe that it's possible. Right? So if that's what, if, if If that's you, if you really want to believe it, I just want us to open our hearts and open our hands as an act of just giving ourselves to the Lord in this area. Father, I thank you, man, that we believe that it's possible for us to look and live like you. Father, we just thank you that you're going to establish us and you're going to continue to transform our hearts and our minds into the reality of who we are in Christ. And I thank you that we have the Holy Spirit as a gift to live out what we're called to live out. I thank you that our desires have been changed. I thank you that our hearts have been changed. I thank you that our nature has been changed. And Father, I thank you that you're revealing to us the power and the ability on our behalf to live this thing out in Jesus' name. I thank you that there is a, all of the grace and the power of heaven is on our behalf to make us look like Jesus, Father. So we submit ourselves to it and we humble ourselves to it. And we humble ourselves, Father, for you to speak to us where there are areas where we're holding on to something that's keeping us in bondage. And I thank you, Lord, that you're letting us see clearly, and you're revealing in our hearts areas where we've actually let something uh, inferior come in, let a a mindset or an ideology that's actually robbing us of the truth. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're revealing those things to us, and Lord, we humbly let them go. We might not see it, we might not actually want it, but Father, we thank you you that we want to want to, and we give ourselves to you, Jesus. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll have our elders up here. I wanted to specifically say, I believe there's a couple of people that need to be filled with the Spirit. Um, if you've never received the Spirit, of, the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know if you have. Um, it's a power to be a witness, and that's what we're called to be, is witnesses of God. Um, if you feel like you've lived a lifestyle of Romans chapter 7, where you're doing it in your own strength, the answer is the Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. So uh, we'll have our elders and some of our lead team up here for prayer. And then if anybody needs to be healed, um, we just hate sickness. So um, does somebody have left elbow pain? They hurt their left elbow. Um, What's it feel like? It goes up to your fingers. It's like a nerve issue. Does anyone have that? Left elbow. It's like a nerve issue, pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nobody? It's all right. That's okay. Self-inflicted wounds are just as much being healed. (laughs) That's okay. There we go. God's cool with self-inflicted wounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what you felt. Awesome. All right. Cool. So, anybody else that needs prayer, Michelle will be healed. Anybody else will be healed if they come up, Um, and then we'll have our team, but you guys are dismissed. We love y'all.